Hey, I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is brought to you by WithJack. They help keep you in business by supporting you financially or legally if you have problems with a client. Get the freelance insurance you deserve. With monthly plans and zero cancellation fees, a WithJack policy gives you complete control over your protection. Visit withjack.co.uk and be a confident freelancer. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for photographer Alexandra Cameron. Nearly everything I shoot now and get paid to shoot started off as me playing around or as a project. You have to do things free. You have to experiment. You have to do it because you love it, I suppose. And then it'll open up other doors. One of the most fun things about being a freelancer is that you just don't know where it could go. Like, opportunities can come from anywhere, and sometimes not when you most need them, but still, like, it's fascinating. When it comes to brands or publishing houses or record labels or whatever, yeah, you charge more. And also, not just that, but you push for more because these people will cut you down every single time. For any freelancer out there, aim high. Yes, yeah, so that is Alexandra Cameron, a photographer based in Cambridge here in the UK. Actually, not that far from me. We're recording this pretty much just before it goes out in November 2020. And I just mentioned that because obviously Alex is a photographer. And so there's this period in the UK where we had a long stretch of lockdown at the beginning of the year between like March and July. And then everything opened up for a bit where she could work. And then everything has just closed down in the past week from week or two from, from when we were record so yeah it's not been easy for photographers in particular you know certain industries to get out there and do what they do so i'll mention that yeah anyway her story coming up really really lovely chatting to her this is the penultimate episode of season 12 if you've been enjoying this season and we've had so many great guests so many brilliant stories then please do think about leaving a review wherever you listen to this leave us a review Uh, also share it online you retweet it we are at being freelance or share it on instagram take a photo screen grab you know of your phone as it plays it just just help get the word out to other freelancers i'd really appreciate that and if you enjoy this week in week out you can also support us on ko-fi as well by topping up our virtual biscuit tin all the details are being freelance.com where there's also a link to the community come join freelancers from around the world because you're not alone being freelance seriously uh, it's not just the podcast there's so much more to it now including the course new this time around it's how to get started being freelance details for that as well are at beingfreelance.com okay let's crack on chat to this week's guest and that is photographer alexandra cameron hey alex hello as ever how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance well i studied film at university and in my final year i picked up my first dslr and just really loved it embarrassingly the reason i loved it most is because with film, if you have an idea in film, it takes weeks, months, and years to 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 create something. Whereas with a with a camera, you can just do it right there and then. So I loved the immediacy of it. Yeah, lazy old me loved it. So I kind of like went with photography from there. So the road to go to freelance was a bit longer and involved many a part time job. After I graduated, I kind of just started building up my technical ability, I suppose, as a photographer initially had a full-time job for six months and never went back that's the first that's the only time I've ever had a full-time job is in like an office job nine to five Uh, and then after that I basically had part-time jobs for I really wish I knew the answer to this I'm gonna say years (laughs) maybe seven years or eight years I had part-time job um, and then finally bit the bullet and and dropped the part-time jobs and went I guess full-time freelancer um which possibly was around three years ago that first full-time job was that anything to do with photography or was it just no in fact none of my part-time jobs have anything to do with photography uh they generally a bit of a mix but mostly admin and then I actually worked two two and a half years uh, at a children's nursery which I adored but you know photography is the number one so I had to let go of all the part-time jobs just to be able and yeah and went full-time so even though you you were sort of balancing it like part-time freelance part-time jobs in that period where were you getting your 
first freelance clients? Where was the work coming from? It's hard to look back and, and know exactly how it all progressed, I suppose. But yeah, my first early jobs, I think I just was shooting a lot. So I'd shoot a lot of self-portraits. I'd shoot friends. I'd, I'd experiment with things like that. And then a couple of people, I guess, emailed and asked, oh, would you take photos of me for this? Would you take photos of me for that? I, I think I did some of those free at first and then started realizing, okay, we'll just charge a bit now. And it was not much, obviously. It was right at the beginning. And I have a real thing with guilt and worry. So I always charge low because then I, you know, didn't want many expectations on me. Um, but it was one of those things that just kind of built up from there. So, you know, charging a little bit, more people might be asking. You charge a little bit more and gradually just like more things come in. Although I say more and more, it's not like I, I, I want to be um, transparent that, you know, I go through busy periods, but I'm not busy all the time. And I'm also fairly fortunate in my living situation. So it doesn't cost me too much either. So I'm definitely not one of those people that has a rammed lifestyle and a rammed, you know, job after job after job. That would freak me out anyway. Um, but I, I, I have a few times that that's happened, but it's not really how it is for me. Um, so the part-time jobs in particular at the beginning were necessary because even then when these jobs would trickle in, at the beginning, I wasn't charging much and it didn't happen too often. But, you know, as the years go by, it becomes more and more and you're able to kind of base more of your income on it, I suppose. And how did people know that you were for hire in the first place? I was fairly vocal online from the beginning. So one of the re biggest reasons I got into photography was online photography sites like uh, DeviantArt and Flickr. So you can kind of build a community out of there at first. Uh, and, and also people you know, so a lot of the early jobs might have been off the back of people I knew for whatever reasons they might have wanted photos. Um, I think I got quite lucky, I'm, I, you know, thinking back. There are a number of things that happened that I think I got quite lucky with. So I remember fairly early on, I started working with a um, modelling agency. And that was off the back of, you know, at the beginning, when you're going through, you know, experimenting with the photos and stuff you you kind of um th th there was a website called model mayhem and you get in touch with other models sorry not other models you get in touch with model models and makeup artists and stylists and hairstylists and there were other photographers in there whole community and you can you know hook up to to take photos and do a photo shoot so I did that a lot and then through that uh some of these girls were signed and I managed to start working with a modeling agency for example so that was uh an early regular job um other really random things that would happen like i sold a photo to firefly tonics which is a drink that still sells them like waitrose and stuff i they wanted one of my photos for their bottle and this was all really off the back of sharing on places like Flickr. so yeah it's quite amazing thinking back given how active social media is now and how accessible everything is that back then I even managed to get work through those mediums because because really Instagram is, is the main source of uh, clientele nowadays. So, yeah, it's quite bizarre to think back to that. Mm. And when you would... And when you were doing those jobs with like uh, models or stylists and so on, were those kind of like you were all doing it for free to build up your own portfolios, respective portfolios or...? Yes, 100%. Yeah. And actually I'd say... As a photographer, a lot that's something that I will is still true to this day, and I say to a lot of photographer, uh, new photographers, or people that are looking into getting into photography, you are doing a, it's a lot of free, it's a lot of non-paid work, it's a lot of stuff you're doing because you're passionate and because you want to take great photos, because because that's always the motivator for me, um, and to spread your work, to build your portfolio, to get better uh, at what you do and learn new things. It's a lot of free. So I'd almost say even now, I don't know, 30% of the shoots that I do, maybe more, are free. But like no payment. It's an important part, though. How do you, like now, you know, now you've been doing it a few years full time, though. How do you, like, know when to do it for free? Like draw the line or like, is there a certain thing which makes you? It was always really within my control. It was ten tended to be my choice um but there was I did have a period where I started to it was actually it's almost accidental but I kind of got into the world of um 
bloggers and YouTubers and influencers. And there was a while there where I was kind of just saying, yeah, I'll shoot you. Yeah, I'll shoot you because, because it might be good for my reach, if you like. But um, I think I learned quite quickly that if I didn't, I don't necessarily know these people or they don't align with the kind of things that I, you know, believe in or who I am as a person. So um, I've gotten better now that the things I, the things I do for free are because I really want to do them. And usually it's motiva- motivated by people I really want to, to meet and take their photo, like take their portrait, mm. you know, because that's important to me. And I, I think actually that's, that's probably where I want my work to go and my career to go. I want to photograph people I admire who really have an influence on me, who I think are genuine people. I believe what they put out there. I believe what they say. Um, much like anyone, you know, if, if David Attenborough, uh, you know, <laughs> crossed my path, you know, I'm going to, I want to meet him. <laughs> I want to take his photo because I think he's quite a fascinating, impressive, wonderful human as I think most people do. I've never met anyone who doesn't like David Attenborough. So, um, <laughs> right. He's like, he's, he's, he's the exception to the, the human rule. He, he, I think he's perfect. But anyway, um, so that's the basis for it. Now I approach people I want to shoot and usually it's like a nice collaboration of, of that as well. Uh, it, it works in my favor as well, obviously, because if someone is excited to shoot with me, which really always very nice when I get that reaction, but if someone's excited to shoot with me, generally that will reflect when they do share those photos on social media. So it's not just them putting up a photo with a caption and then underneath a camera with my name next to it. It's I shot with Alex Cameron today and, and it was really nice or whatever. So, you know, it reflects in the outcome and and in the other person, like it's a two-way street. So yeah, if you do free and you get to a point where you can, definitely pick the ones that you feel passionate about. So three years ago, you decided to go full-time into freelancing. Was was that like a just a light switch? You, you just went into it or was it something you built up to like knowing that you were going to do it at a certain date like what was that transition like um the transition was that my dad sold our family home and we had to move and everything was really stressful and my time at the nursery was getting a little bit less fun so it, it was more circumstantial that I was like I think I, I think I'm done with this I might see if I can do this without it for a while um and actually for a while when I'd been working at the children's nursery, you know, I had been earning better and more frequent. So it was a decision that was financially viable, I suppose, and proved to be because obviously I never went back uh, to doing a part-time role. But, you know, again, I, about three or four years ago, something like that, the family home got sold and I um, moved like with my dad. And then a year later, I, my, my partner, this is a very unusual set of circumstances, by the way. But my uh, my partner inherited uh, a house that was attached to his parents, and he spent he spent the last three years doing it up. We moved in 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 April during lockdown, but it did mean that he inherited it. He owns this house outright, so I live here without any mortgage or rent mm. or anything like that. Um, and before that, like because we knew this house was going to happen, the house was going to happen fairly soon. You know, I. I like paid a bit of rent and live with my dad so in terms of like outgoings it was it was less so I don't know how how possible that is with many other people uh so I, like I'm really trying to be transparent about uh, my circumstances mm. um but you know right now I live in a house and I, I pay my I pay bills and I pay my food and I pay you know a bit of rent to help with the cost of what it costs to do the house up but I'm not paying large amounts for rent and mortgage so I do think that that obviously I mean, definitely, obviously, played in my favour for the privileged situation I was in. Uh, but, you know, I, yeah, I, I was earning enough that I didn't have to go back to a part-time role as well. And when you went full-time freelance, did the way you treated the work or got the work change? Huh. It's interesting. I don't know if I've ever really thought about it. Yeah, I probably, I probably was more aware of filling up my week or filling up my calendar which was never full actually but you know I was I I was more conscious of of upcoming work let's say that so I think three three four years ago when it coincided with going fully freelance was probably when I started doing more brand work as well working with brands 
because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an influencer. I don't really do that kind of content on my, on my Instagram or whatever, but because, because I had a slightly larger platform that, you know, brands would see my work and then hire me to work on a number of things as well. So that I kind of looked at it as getting one of those every quarter and I felt on track and I don't think I would have thought in that way before. So yeah, I definitely became more aware of what was coming in and what I could what felt comfortable to yeah. coming in, I suppose. It sounds like your your Instagram, like the size of your Instagram and who was following you was, was influential in getting that work. So how did you get to that point? Did you was it just accidental that your <laughs> Instagram grew? Um Yeah, so it's it's a funny one to talk about because I think a lot of people who might have a number of followers have a bit of imposter syndrome. So whenever I actually think about this, it just makes me feel like the biggest imposter because the the answer is I I, I do know and I don't know. So I do know that um, my Instagram started to amp up, if you like, probably about four years ago, four or five. I, I started to kind of, again, it was a bit of an accident, but I started getting into the influencer, YouTuber, blogger area of, of the world. And I took photos. I was doing a series called The Giant Series where my partner, uh, Will, would build giant props. And I like we tried to get everything in shot. So there was, there was little to no Photoshop or manipulation anyway, which people like it was it, like what people liked that there was a nice lot of people that were very supportive of that and following that, which was really good. And then, oh gosh, because I'm going to get mixed up here. I, and then I, I was also remember shooting a friend of mine who I'd made through my sister. Uh, she was a bit, pre- she was had a, quite an online presence and I shot a confidence shoot with her, which at the time didn't have the name confidence shoot. I just did a naked shoot with her, but it ended up like kind of taking on the, this name of a confidence shoot. And she had enough of like quite a following that a lot of people then started booking in for confidence shoots. And then, I did a confidence shoot with a blogger. So a blogger who also had a following. So that's probably how things started to amp up because these people with online presence, I was started to shoot with. And then the biggest one that then followed that really amped up my Instagram was shooting with Zoella, who is uh, quite a a big British YouTuber. Um, And I took some photos of her for the Giant series and then uh, got hired by a, a magazine around blogging to do an editorial with them of her as well so i it was i think the biggest push was working with zoe sarg but i think in general i do apologize if you're hearing groans in the background my dog's sleeping and some (laughs) noises just just yeah in case you think it's me it's the dog um um sorry yeah so i think getting into that side of things and that world is what increased my followership on my instagram but with that being said, I'm still not sure why these people wanted to shoot with me. I'm not going to sit here thinking like I'm the bee's knees. I don't think I am. Like I love what I do and I like to think that, you know, my photos are cool and some people like them, but I still don't, I'm, I'm still surprised to this day when I approach certain people and they're like, I would love to shoot with you. That's still a shock to me. And those are the people that often are the ones with the big following that, that you know, mean that people find their way to my Instagram, which means it grows. But it's still a shock to me. I like a total mm. imposter syndrome. <laughs> wow. There's so many things in there, including the fact that, so like going back to the start of that, it sounded like you did a really great side project, like mm-hmm. a passionate project, like the giants. So massive giant, mm. basically photos that look like they must have been Photoshopped, but weren't. Mm-hmm. Is doing side projects like still a key thing for you? Because that sounds like that, that yes. was a big moment. Yeah, for sure. And in fact, most of the things in fact nearly everything I shoot now and get paid to shoot started off as me playing around or as a project so the giant series were very much a personal project inspired by a photographer called Tim Walker who who uses a lot of big props and fortunately I had a very clever boyfriend who could build them for me (laughs) so that was uh that was great um but even the confidence shoots like that first shoot I did was my friend just you know emailed me and said you know I'm training to run a marathon and I've been working really hard. And I think maybe as a something to celebrate at the end of that would be a call to do a confidence shoot. And I was like, all right, <laughs> uh, well, shoot, a naked shoot. So, so that's how that came about. And then off the back of that, that's one of the 
my you know biggest bookings i get is is confidence sheets isn't that funny like something that you, you didn't start putting it out there as yeah. a service it was just like somebody wanted it and now and then emails started coming in so it was like okay this and you know it's it feels quite blasé to talk about it so simplistically like that like oh a friend wanted me to and then people asked me it's actually been very profound to me like it's been one of the best things i've done and do f- as part of the things that I offer, like as, as part of my job, it's one of my favorite things to help women with their confidence and to shoot women in that way and help them find their confidence again. Like it's, it's hundred percent the best. So I don't want to diminish it to, to something that it was just like, yeah, mate said this. And then I ended up doing it. No, it, it like, it was, it's, it's a really important part of what I do now. I feel very passionate about it, but in the same way, the giant series was, yeah, it, like a lot of these things start off as just, I just want to see if I can do this or I want to, try that and then it turns into something else including the portraits which I do a lot of um natural light portraiture that was because I saw a photographer I loved and her portraits and I thought I wonder if I could do that with natural light it kind of looks like she's doing it with natural light so I played around on my own and did it with my friend as well like I have a my best friend um who's also a blogger but her name's Megs we over the years have shot a lot a lot a lot a lot she's my my go-to for experimentation she, she's up front any of the photos and and with you know a great a great duo with that um but yeah I'd rope her in and I tried this portrait like portrait in the natural light um kind of setup and then now it's again like another one of my absolutely regular books I've been I've been booked pretty flat out from August to well till till lockdown anyway with portrait shoots and I've been fortunate enough to take some people I really admire, like take their portraits. And that's something that I did not do what, two and a half, three years ago. I didn't do it before. And now it's it's hugely a part of my repertoire, if you like. So, yeah, I would definitely say in terms of being a photographer, I don't know how, how much it would apply to other um, freelance jobs. But in terms of being a photographer, I imagine it would apply but not specifically with, with this, but you have to do things free. You have to experiment. You have to do it because you love it, I suppose. And then it'll open up other doors. And speaking of doors, that it sounds like you were knocking on them when it came to, to working with influencers and what have you. And, and that made a difference as well. When you were approaching people, was, was that like just via DM or messaging? Like, did you get to know them first? Like, what, what was that like? And how did it feel? I don't know. Maybe they never said no, but like, what was the reaction like? I've got some fun stories there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And again, uh, the kind of stories where I'm also like, I can't, I like, is this life? I can't believe my luck. Um, Well, Zoe is a good example of that, actually, because yes, I, I messaged her on Instagram. I knew she had started following me because she was following a friend of mine who I'd taken photos of. So I assumed she started following me because she was like, oh, those photos are nice, I guess. So I thought, okay, I'll DM her and see if she wants to take some. And I did, and and she responded, and that's how those photos came about. So really, that was kind of delving into that world that opened up. I don't know, was, my work was being spread, so certain people were seeing it, which was very fortunate. So so that's that one. That, that was Zoe. Um, however, there have been more fun ones, like... Um, Russell Brand, for example. So uh, Russell Brand, he was tweeting, what was he tweeting about? His show, he was tweeting about a show he had in Cambridge. And I tweeted him and said, I've seen you've got a show in Cambridge, happens to be on my birthday. How about you let me take your photo, huh? Or something like that. And then he responded, will it be hard? (laughs) And I responded back, no, does this mean yes? But he was like, speak to my, my tour manager or something like that. So that that's literally how that came about. So then I, Love you know, it. but it's just so, you know, the world of social media, this is why it's so fascinating and so important for, for freelancers to kind of have a, you know, a presence online, I guess, because it's something you never, you never think you'll reach these people because if, because if they don't know you from, from Adam, but at the same time, there's a platform that means that they might see something, you know, that you can reach them and you might as well try because, you know, I've done this as well I, with so many other people that I haven't heard a wink from. Can I, can I add, you know what I mean? Like I have tweeted so many different people that I admire that I want to photograph, including, you know, 
the David Attenboroughs, <laughs> like, and I don't hear uh, hear a thing from. But it, you know, I've heard it from a few, <laughs> and it certainly motivates you to do it. So, it, like, it worked with Russell Brand, and that went on to pretty pretty awesome things as well. But it worked with Russell Brand. It also worked with Edgar Wright, who's the director uh, of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. I I tweeted him hey, let me take your portrait. And he said, I, I think he started following me. So I I, res, I, I DM'd him saying, oh, I, I'm guessing that's a yes then. And he was like, yeah, all right, here's my number. So, you know, it hasn't happened yet because because um, he's a busy, busy guy in, in an awkward part of London. But but I, I message him back and forth every now and again just to see if he wants to or if he's around to. Uh, so that's a random one. Um, and obviously I study film. So whenever there's like, that involved it's quite fun um uh who else was there oh yeah uh davina mccall um i managed to reach again through twitter i think that was uh i I tweeted and then she gave me her email and and we emailed back and forth it's it's amazing you think none of it would ever happen and then it someone responds and you're like oh oh (laughs) um that's so cool how do you then Monopolize, monopolize. Yeah, I know what you or mean. Cap- capitalize, capitalize. capitalize yeah. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> I think that not being too, you know, these are people. These are these are busy people, and they've, in my opinion, you know, kind of like opened up a little door. What you don't want to do is, you know, turn up uninvited. You know, keep 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 at them. This is their private numbers or their private emails. You don't want to do do anything like be over the top and be annoying so um i i i and this is something i've learned in, in later years in earlier years i am very good at sending way too many emails about an opportunity like hey was there anything happening with that can i did you think this was still going to happen oh I, because i was so you know you get you get worried about money or desperate you can send a lot of emails which i'm not shaming at all i did that 100 percent. um but i learned in these situations you know bide your time i guess is is, is that advice but with Russell Brand yeah I um so I got in contact with his tour manager she was very much like okay yeah there's an interval if you turn up you know he come he just stays out um he comes out front of stage and you can chat to him and take his photo there but we probably can't offer more than that and I was like oh I got the impression you know that he was up for me actually like having a moment and taking some photos him but so I was a bit crushed but I went along anyway and I guess in, I was a bit right because he actually, I kind of waved and said, hi, I'm Alex, the photographer online. He's like, oh, yeah, you're that photographer. I love I love your work. Go backstage. I'll meet you back there. So I got to go backstage and then take photos of him there. The next day I edited some and sent them over to the his tour manager, who I'm assuming then forwarded them to uh, to Russell because Russell then directly emailed me and said, uh, love the photos, book cover, question mark. And I was like, what? <laughs> but uh, I literally had two minutes backstage and I'm not really, I'm not exaggerating two minutes backstage. And suddenly I might, you know, have a book like Russell Brand's book cover. <laughs> um, it, di- it didn't happen because like the, it had to be cut out in a certain way, but it was still pretty massive, ma- massive, sorry. And, th- and now I have, was in a situation where I had Russell Brand's email, uh, which was great. So I think it was like a year later or something, uh, maybe more, maybe less. I can't, I'm terrible. My memory's terrible. Something like that though, where he was gearing up to do a Netflix special and I directly emailed him and said, is there anything I can do to help with the Netflix special? And he said, yeah, maybe. And then the next thing I know, I got an email from Netflix directly hiring me to take photos on the night. <sighs> wow. <laughs> so that, that was that was huge and cool as hell. <laughs> so um, that was the second time I, I took photos of him in London at his Netflix special. But that's just, again, it just shows an example of the random stuff that can happen. And of course I still have, you know, and I saw Russell again that night and I think he knows roughly who I am now. I mean, again, he meets so many people, but, um, and I have his email address, but you know, I, I don't know that I've emailed since, like, I don't want to be that person that, you know, mm. it's, it's too much because like I appreciate having done it I'm proud of the photos and and if something comes up that I think I can help with I'll email again but I think it's 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 like a careful balance between being an opportunist and not being too much of an opportunist you know what I mean 
Uh, and I don't know, I never, I haven't always found the right balance, but, um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes it marries up where it comes, it becomes all right. <laughs> so if you look at where you're at now and like where your income comes from, uh, like the different revenue streams that you have, like what, 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 what do you have there that brings you income oh, now? The, the slices of pie. Um, well, I have one slice. So uh, a large part would be uh, confidence shoots. Um, mm-hmm. But I say a large part. I haven't been able to shoot them in, you know. Okay, yeah. Months. Okay. Uh, beyond 2020, yeah, I guess yeah. that's um, true. Well, yeah. I, I bring it up only because yeah, because I have been – a lot. Of, I'm sure we'll get to that, but there's a lot happened in the summer, which meant that I subsequently was booked solid with portrait shoots. But usually that would – uh, wouldn't just be portrait shoots. I wouldn't have made money much just from that. It, in fact, confidence shoots were by far my most popular. So confidence shoots um, I have coming in with clients. I also have portrait shoots, which is effectively kind of headshots kind of thing. Um, and then I do brand work, which can be a mix of things. So with brands, I have, say, I, I've done panels and uh, like events I have worked with like camera companies uh, doing campaigns with like taking photos and promoting them on Instagram. What else have I done? I, I've jobs with Photoshop where I've, I've made a tutorial. I've done events with Canon. So it like a mix of things, uh, either social media or events kind of thing. So that would be a large, uh, larger slice as well. I also do weddings, not many, uh, I love weddings, but they really stress me out. So I do a few of those a year and it's usually people I know because I much prefer it when I like, I know people because of it, like people relax even more around me. Um, and then what else do I do? I've never really made money from live band photography, but I do that for free. And I love doing that because it's essentially a front row seat, front row seat to a, a gig, but I have made money in the past. The, a band called the staves, which I totally recommend if nobody no if like you haven't heard of them, they're great. I shot photos of them live and then they wanted one of the photos for their album cover. So a lot of their live album cover. So I guess it's another example of when you do things for free, it can end up creating income. Um, another example of that, which was a big one for me this year was I shot Dolly Alderton, who is an incredible writer and I wanted to take her portrait. So approached her uh so it it was going to be in a collaborative sense i suppose and some of those photos were licensed uh from her publishing company and then once lockdown was over we were able to shoot again specifically for her author shot which i again said i'd do for free that was my personal thing she offered to pay but i was like no no i'll do it for free one because i love working with her and two because she'd already created some income for me so i was happy to not charge her and then off the back of that many many publishing companies because she's just had a book come out have uh, licensed the photos so licensing photos has been it's always the like the, the most cheeky fun way of earning money because you don't move <laughs> um i license photos for years i have with emi which is i think now owned by sony so uh, uh that was a, a really odd opportunity that came to me quite early on as well um i think about seven years ago eight, no longer than that eight eight years ago i met a guy who and we were just kind of like friends actually i'm not even gonna lie we dated for a moment uh, and it didn't really work out but he did remember he, like, i'm a photographer and he worked at emi and he messaged me one day saying hey we need some you know an album cover would you be interested in either shooting something or letting us know if you've got anything in your backlog and i've worked with emi since then like um Sometimes I'll do, you know, six covers a year. Sometimes it'll only be one, but I love them, uh, working with them. And that's just licensing images for the most part or shooting some sometimes. For people who don't know the photography world, Mm. licensing images would mean? It's essentially um, permission, I guess. It's almost like I give you permission to publish this in a book or I give you permission to put this on an album cover um so it's like yeah it's like legal permission so they pay you for that but is it like a one-off fee or do you get a that can depend as well licensing and copyright is a minefield something that you know i've been doing this for over 10 years and i still still not completely on top of but um 
license you can license something so say um one of dolly alderton's author photos might be licensed by a publishing company and i can say that they have the license for a year so if they want to use it for more than a year they'll have to come back to me and pay a further license you stay on top of all of that stuff yourself do you or do you have someone help you uh, no I, that's all me but then it's a tough one because i've definitely had jobs where there's a clear understanding of you're paying for say six edited photos and i'm giving you permission to use it for these purposes uh, and then you see a year later that that client is uploading photos on their business uh, website or their Instagram of photos that they haven't paid for. Uh, so you do have to keep, you have to, you kind of have to keep up with it a bit, but it, like I, I've probably missed a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm the only one. Yeah. It's only me. So yeah, you, you, ha- I have these things all written down. I try and make sure they're pretty ironclad so that if they go beyond that, then legally I'm, I know that I'm covered to be able to pursue it further or call Mm. them out or say that, you know, actually you shouldn't be using that, but, um, you know, I'm going to miss things. And there'll also be instances where I don't have the energy or the money to pursue something. Like I've definitely had people who had a license for a year, who had that photo up for a further year. And I only noticed that year later and emailed and say, excuse me, you know, you had this photo up for a year for a further year. Here is the, the invoice and they'll say oh sorry i took it down didn't realize like well <laughs> that's, not how, mm. that's not how it works but and again it's like you know if they call you out and say okay sue me then it's like well, no <laughs> like it's not really worth it yeah um and how else uh, like re- revenue wise because i notice you have um like your own print sh- well two two types of shop which intrigued me actually on on your website mm. So the print shop has literally been since lockdown because I had no other streams of revenue. Um, I was really shocked that over lockdown, a fair amount of people did come and buy prints. That was really, really lovely. I did not expect that, especially because like over lockdown is when I took photos of flowers for the first time, for example, and they've done really well on there. Uh, And that's just really heartwarming because I photograph people. <laughs> I don't really photograph still life. So when I gave it a go, I, I was happily surprised with the result. And it was just really nice to know that a lot of people really like them too. So that was really great. And then actually a month ago, I got an email from the um, website that hosts the shop. So it's Society6 saying that Urban Outfitters US was interested <laughs> in one of the photos and could I like license them out to be able to sell it on Urban Outfitters. Wow. But that to me, like, by the way, I'm getting a very low percentage. It's a photo that was just kind of never really doing much or going anywhere. So I'm happy to kind of see where, what happens with that. But it's still, it's another example of like, I'd never really, I never had a print shop before. And I thought I might as well give it a go while I'm not really earning anything as a lockdown. And it's led to possibly, well, in January they said, hopefully it, you know, I suppose things can change. Um, but at the moment, it sounds like it's going to go live on in January on Urban Outfitters US and be available there. So that that to me, that's the kind of thing that's just so crazy in this in, in the industry. And I'd say the photography industry, but yeah, like a lot of freelancers, that's one of the most fun things about being a freelancer is that you just don't know where it could go. Like opportunities can come from anywhere and sometimes not when you most need them, but still like it's fascinating. Mm. I went off on a tangent there. Oh, yes. So that was my print shop. And then I also make presets, which I think is what you mentioned. Yeah. So yeah. You, you sell Lightroom presets. Mm. So Lightroom is like an Adobe piece of software for photography, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, mostly color editing. And I have bought many, many presets over the years. So I thought I'd try and create my own because I do create my own anyway for the years of being on there and editing different photos, you know, you, it's, it's really simplistically, like I will be editing a photo and at the end I'll be like, oh, I love that edit. I'm going to save that because it might work on other photos. And that's essentially, boom, you've got a preset. I refined them, of course, and, and made them more accessible to work on more different photos. But yeah, that's been really fun. And another one that like, they trickle in. So you think, oh, nobody really likes them. And then you realize you've sold, you know, a grand or two's worth and you're like, oh, maybe people do. So um 
I don't re- I don't rely on that income to pay my bills, but it's it's a it's lovely to do it. Like I and I actually do it more because it's nice to share that. Um, that makes me sound like selfless. Obviously, I'm still earning money from it, so that's kind of, kind of not true, is it? But do you know what I mean? Like it's it's not something I earn enough for to put that much. Like I put probably more effort in than than, than comes out of it, but I'm still happy to do it because it's really fun to make them and it's really fun to see people use them. Do you know? Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that as well because it's. Um... You know that kind of stuff where you've created a preset for yourself, and then and then you can make further income from mm. it. Is it's that sort of uh, like sometimes you don't even realise like the way you do something is going to be worth something to somebody else. It's not like an mm. obvious part of being a photographer, but mm. there it is as an extra revenue stream. Yeah, especially when you do feel a little bit like um, uh, you're not good enough, or you don't. You don't know if anybody's really going to be interested. Photography is a great one, though, because if you've got a handful of people that are interested, that's really what they, the parts that they are really interested in. They want to know how you edit things. They want to know your setups and how you manage to achieve things. And you feel like an imposter because you're just doing it. It's like, oh, but it's, you know, it doesn't feel like it's, nothing I do really feels like out of reach of anyone else. I, 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 I've worked out what works best with natural light and and I'm not one of those people that's like shut up tight about it. I, I share it a lot. I share my setup. Like I do shoot my portrait shoots out of a glorified shed. <laughs> I'm not, and it's not even a joke. I really do <laughs> to the point where like I have to warn people as they're about to walk around the corner. By the way, this is basically a shed, but it's okay because the light's really good. You work across a broad range of um, clientele, should we say? They're like different value points god you know, i feel like punching myself for even saying that but it's a, i know what you mean if, you're right um <laughs> how do i come up with pricing well yeah basically like there, there's no strict guide thing to this or maybe yeah. there is and i've missed missed the memo but <laughs> no uh, and, and actually i feel as in the dark with instagram because sometimes i do get jobs come in that require me to price up for say posting an instagram on my grid or posting stories and i'm still like huh like I can't work out pricing for that I have no basis really uh, I'm fortunately I have friends in that work directly in that way and in that industry so I can ask but yeah if I feel sympathetic to photographers that are starting out it's it's that the darkness you feel on how to price anything and quite frankly I'm over 10 years in and I still feel a little bit like huh um I think I base it somewhere between what I'm comfortable with now so I feel better established to be able to say no if it's not an amount that I think uh, is like enough, I guess. But yeah, to differentiate like the, the it's really weird to say average person without sounding really insulting, but you know, the, the, the clients that want to book in for a portrait shoot. Yeah, like a, a normal consumer. Yeah, exactly. So like I charge um, an amount that I, I, for my time but I also think that it's accessible because I I'm not it's a weird one when you when you might have shot like Zoe Saga or, or Gemma Styles or something people might think that you're like charging thousands absolutely not and I don't think I'd ever feel comfortable doing that just because of like who I might have shot before does that if that makes sense like I I am available for hire you know what I mean I'm not gonna close myself off because ultimately I like shooting people and I like making people feel good about themselves so with that in mind I will charge what is a you know in the range of affordability but when it comes to brands or publishing houses or record labels or whatever yeah you charge more and also not just that but you push for more because these people will cut you down every single time unless you really said a low amount and they're like oh yeah yeah fine that's fine yeah we'll do that (laughs) Which has happened to me. I'm not going to lie. Um, but you want to say, like, this is this is probably, for, for any freelancer out there, aim high. Definitely aim higher because they'll cut you down at least, I say at least 25%. It happens, like, they will cut me down 15 to 25% every time I give a price to any company, like business or mm. company. Okay, so think of a price, then add 25% of it, 
and then they'll knock 25% exactly. off and you'll go, oh, I got the price I wanted. Yeah, there you go. Well, no, no, no. They'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll knock 25% and you say, and you go back with a counter offer. Like, try and, try and go back and forth. Don't let them roll you over. And that's really scary to do at the beginning because you're like, they're going to go away. And if at the beginning you feel like you have to kind of go, okay, let's do it at your price, that's completely understandable too because at the beginning, you know, you don't have as much freedom to be able to lose that income possibly. But, um, yeah, you get good at knowing who's taking you for a ride and what you feel comfortable in for sure. I've, I've said, I've said turned away thousands and thousands of pounds because it should have been multiple more than that. (laughs) And I've been like, no, it's not worth it to me. I'm not, not having it. (laughs) Nice. Okay. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me, Alex? Number one, a famous Hollywood director has had my photo as the backdrop on his computer. Number two, Russell Brand said I had nice ankles. Number three, I was offered <laughs> I was offered to take Stephen Fry's portrait and I turned it down. When you say the famous Hollywood director has your photo on the backdrop on their computer yeah. do you mean your photo because you said you do a lot of self-portrait your photo as in a photo of you or a photo you took of them or just any photo um it's actually a self-portrait so a famous hollywood director has a photo of you on their desktop which the more and more i talk about that just sounds more and more dodgy <laughs> not edgar wright by the way russell brand said you have nice ankles what was the context <laughs> what was the context were you, were you like standing on a table in front of him so your ankles were uh, eye, eye height like I taking am. a photo looking down at him or something like that was there a reason he was focused on your ankles uh there it wasn't uh at eye height but i was taking photos of him and i think his mind wandered <laughs> and he uh yeah, and then he complimented my ankles. <laughs> I mean, that could be a little bit of flirtatious, um, nervous chit-chat, couldn't it? That feels plausible. So you were offered to take Stephen Fry's photo, mm-hmm. but you turned it down? Yes, yeah. And that wasn't to do with Stephen Fry. It was to do with the publication. I didn't, I didn't feel right about it, but it was a very hard decision to make because Stephen Fry's kind of, Stephen Fry's probably top of my list to photograph. But there was, I felt um, a pull against the publication that was asking me to take his portrait. So I decided to turn it down. Oh, okay. Right. I don't know. These all sound... Okay, here's the thing. The Hollywood, the Hollywood director one yeah. is a little bit weird. Yeah. But it's so weird that I feel like you... Why would you make that up? <laughs> that's that's the thing. That's so weird that and, un- and almost uncomfortable. Like, why would you make that up? Yeah. So then, nice ankles. That I mean, that sounds. <laughs> you see, that sounds like a Russell Brand thing, which also puts alarm signals in my head. Like, actually, he made no such comment, <laughs> and you're picking out something that we can imagine him saying, and then. And it better not be, the twist here, better not be that actually, no, he said you have nice feet. And it was, this better not be semantics. <laughs> Stephen Fry, yeah, I can see you having, you know, that moral high ground to say, no, I don't want to take a photo for a certain publication. No, in fact, I'm going to go for nice ankles. I don't think he complimented on you. Let's be clear, I'm not saying you don't have nice ankles. I'm sure they're <laughs> lovely. But I don't think he said it. Okay, um, you're wrong. The lie was Stephen Fry. Oh, what? Because if I'm really honest, I probably, I don't know, there's many publications or circumstances where I wouldn't take Stephen Fry's portrait. He really is, like, I I wasn't lying, top of my list among uh, Emma Thompson and um, David Attenborough of people that I would have absolutely want to take the portrait of. So, yeah, that's the lie. Oh, which does, of course, mean that a Hollywood director has your photo on their desktop we email a lot and uh or went through a period where we email back and forth a lot and none of it seemed creepy by the way <laughs> just very polite and nice and he- oh no but you know now i feel bad i don't want to sully it i think that sounds nice the fact is you take great you take great photos if it had been a photo of somebody else it wouldn't feel weird would it it would like if it was a you know some other model that wouldn't be weird it would just be a great photo 
Yeah, until you until you find out that it was like it was a self portrait that I took where I was on a bed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe it is. Um, yeah. Oh, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I don't know. I, the thing is, like, I'm, I I worry it's just going to kind of sound a bit depressing because I'd probably s- prepare them for the fact that they're going to be at a part time job longer than they thought they might, and that and that building up in a freelance world to earn enough is hard. That sounds so depressing though, doesn't it? It's also the like the best thing you'll ever do, maybe. <laughs> Just for a counteract of a bit of positivity. <laughs> but um, it's it's hard. Like I, I, the reason, the thing is I'm quite blunt with it, like, and it's quite depressing, but that's only because, you know, the, it's the same thing I promote when I talk about anything online. I just really am trying to be like the most honest I can be. And that, so that's not to say that the question I have to ask because it's honest has to be depressing, but it is one of the things that I think people, that I never really thought about when I went into trying to earn money from photography. Uh, but the truth is it is really hard and it takes, you know, it, it takes a lot of, of building. Um, but ultimately, you, you know, it's hard to fully give advice because one day you're just going to be there at this place where you're earning money and you're not entirely sure how you got there. So I suppose if anything, then ignore the one before and it should be enjoy the journey <laughs> because you'll get to the place you need to be if you stick with it. So worrying about it will only add stress to your life. You just, just enjoy the journey. That is nice. Alex, thank you so much. Go to beingfreelance.com. You must be wondering what Alex's work is like. And as with all of our guests at beingfreelance.com, you can find them online. If you've enjoyed this, reach out to her as well, be it on Twitter or Instagram and say hi. So all links for all of our guests, along with transcripts, show notes. We go to a lot of trouble, so please do share it. Um, and, And for that matter, actually, I don't often say this, but if you know somebody who isn't able to listen to podcasts, for example, please do point them in the direction of the website anyway because we go to so much trouble with the transcripts also if you're a freelance parent don't forget the doing it for the kids podcast is the other podcast i do as well while you've got your app out go search for that but for now alex thank you so much it's been really great chatting to you and all the best being freelance thank you so much